Thank you for all of your prayers. Mom and baby are doing great. It was uh, a good delivery, if I can say that without offending any woman in the room. It was about uh, as good as it can go. And uh, one of the oddest things that happened was the, the delivery area was actually pretty quiet. There weren't a lot of women there, but the maternity area on the next floor, which is uh, recovery, was jam-packed. So we actually spent the night uh, in our delivery room, which is fine. We had our own room. But the next morning, it's nine o'clock in the morning, and, and I was asleep lying there. And what had happened is in the, the room directly across the hall from us, a, a woman had started going into labor, but then it, it really kicked in, and everybody came rushing in. And so they open the door, they go into her room, and they leave the door open. And so I was woken bolt upright by the loudest near-death experience scream I've ever heard in my life. I woke up screaming as well. It was pretty terrifying and incredibly disturbing. And I think the only thing that was scarier was the look on her face when I stuck my head in her room and asked her to quiet down. But uh, in hindsight, that probably wasn't a good decision. So <laughs> mom and baby are, are doing great. And again, thank you for all your prayers and everything. And one of the things we did in preparation of this is we had just sort of an, an emergency video message ready to go. And the reason we do that is because when a, a baby comes at the point in the week that Lauren did, the best way to bless you as a church and as the church family is to give you something good on a Sunday and not something that I've strung together in four hours on a very little bit of sleep. I didn't want to stand up here and just say, Jesus loves you and stuff. Yeah, so, uh, so we have a video message that we vetted. You're really gonna enjoy it. It's from Pastor Craig Rochelle and he's gonna be talking about a fear of the Lord. It's a really, really good message to develop all of us, grow all of our faith. So with that, let's watch this together. You may say, what in the world is a Christian atheist? Well, we know what an atheist is. It's a person that does not believe in God. So an atheist is going to live like there is no God. What is a Christian atheist? Well, a Christian atheist is someone who believes in God, but lives like God does not exist. Someone who believes in God, but yet lives like God does not exist. Today, we're gonna to talk about a very serious subject, and we're gonna talk about those who believe in God, but do not fear him. They believe in God, but they do not fear him. Because let's be honest, uh, studies show that three out of four Americans believe in God. But if you look at the way people actually live, you would have to say that three out of four people, and at least in my country, don't live with a reverent fear of God. Their actions show that they don't actually fear him. Today, for this talk, I wanna call it customized Christianity. We believe in God, but we're gonna take the parts of God that we like and reject the rest because we don't really fear God. We're gonna customize Christianity. For example, those of you who are maybe around my age or perhaps a bit older, uh, when, when I was growing up, we really had three choices of ice cream. How many of you remember? Chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry, glory to God on high. Three was like the Trinity, it was there, it was enough, and it was very blessed. Three different types, and we thought that was as good as it would get. Until Baskin Robbins came and totally blew up the Holy Trinity of ice cream, and Baskin Robbins stunned the world with not three, but 31 different flavors of ice cream. How many of you remember when that happened? You could go in and get the little pink spoon and get little free dips and you could try 31 different spoonfuls and then walk away totally satisfied. 
And suddenly, we didn't have three choices. We had 31 different options, 31 things to choose from, and culture started moving to a customized sampling of we get and choose what we want. Uh, speaking of Baskin Robbins, you may have enjoyed burgundy cherry, green mint stick, or my personal favorite peppermint fudge ribbon that was well beyond chocolate, strawberry, or vanilla. Nowadays, you can customize about anything, right? Uh, certain shoe brands will let you customize your shoes. Those are killer customized kicks you're wearing there. You can customize your toilet paper. <laughs> you can get a customized bobblehead. That's right, you can have your very own bobblehead with your head bobbling on it if you want to pay the money for your own customized bobblehead. You can even customize a potential boyfriend or girlfriend at Match.com. I would like a boyfriend who is romantic, who travels, who loves old movies, who writes poetry while serving meals to the poor by candlelight on horseback. And I want him blonde and six foot one and 175 pounds, and I want him by Friday, okay? You, you can customize just about everything. Uh, in fact, restaurants have really uh, taken this to an art form. Uh, where I live, and in certain parts of the country, there's a restaurant known as Sonic, that they're kind of known for their ice and their slushies and such. Um, Sonic has, believe it or not, di different combinations of drinks, over 3.5 million different variations of drinks. Three. 0.5 million. That's a lot of slushies and a lot of going to the bathroom if you go and try to enjoy Sonic. Uh, Starbucks, you are the king of coffee. You can get it any way you want it. You demand it, I want it customized. I want a grande, soy, half-calf, vanilla latte, extra hot with caramel drizzle and light whip. Now, please, you know, I, I want it exactly this way. And because of this and other reasons, I believe people are moving to what I call a customized version of Christianity. I, I, God created us in his image, and we're going to return the favor and create God in our own image. I'll take the love of God, but I don't want his wrath. I, I want the mercy of God, but I wanna do without his judgment. I want his blessings in my life, but that whole take up your cross and follow Jesus stuff, that's just not for me. I mean, there are parts of the Bible that I really like and love and embrace and want to hear about and read about, but there are other parts that since I'm the king and get to choose, I don't really want to apply those to my life. Like, I love the part about God has a plan for my life and wants to bless me and wants to prosper me and, and he's not going to harm me, but give me a hope for my future. But that whole thing about sexual purity, ah, uh, that's so outdated. I mean, who does that nowadays anyway? You know, I love that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Mm, I like that kind of God. But the God who tells me I should manage my resources for his glory and be generous, I'd rather keep that for myself. Oh, I love the God that says he's gonna bless me coming in and bless me going out. But weekends, they're mine. Nobody tells me what to do on the weekend. It's a customized Christianity. It's people who, yeah, we believe in God, but we do not fear him. We believe in God, but we do not fear him. Psalm 36, verses one and two, David 
was actually writing about the sinfulness of mankind. And in fact, if you know his story, he would eventually recognize just how sinful indeed he was as well. And this is what he, he said. He said, sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have what? All of our churches, let's all say this aloud, that they have no what? They have no fear of God to do what? To restrain them. Let's try this again. I need somebody to help me in Albany and somebody in, in Tennessee as well. They have what? They have no fear of God to restrain them. In their blind conceit, he said, they cannot see how wicked they really are. They have no fear of God to restrain them. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Sin whispers to the wicked. What do you think sin says? Sin probably whispers, hey, go ahead and do whatever you want. It's your life. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, don't take that God stuff so seriously. I mean, it's, it's your body, you can do what you want with it. Don't let them judge you. Don't let them impose their values on you. You do whatever you want. Hey, it, it's not gonna hurt anybody anyway. Sin whispers to the wicked. Hey, you can believe in God, but don't take him too seriously. They have no fear of God to restrain them, to change them, to, to conform them to the image of Jesus, therefore they do whatever they want. They have no fear of God to restrain them. And David said, in their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. I would ask you this question. What if this verse is talking about us? I would ask myself, what if this verse is talking about me? What if this, this verse is talking really about the majority of us in the way we've customized our own version of Christianity? What if we are blind to our own self-centeredness? What if we don't really have an honest, true, reverent fear of God to restrain us? What if we cannot see how wicked we really are? What if we believe in God but we don't really fear him. Now, I just want to acknowledge that talking about the fear of God is, is really tricky, and I, I've been very prayerful, and I want to be very careful about this. And here's kind of my opinion, and I want to tell you why we need to be careful. I would say that years ago, the pendulum swung way over to one side, where basically, some of you remember, churches were known kind of for fire and brimstone. You know, you're going to hell where the worm never dies, and weeping and gnashing of teeth, and you turn from your sin, now, now turn or burn. I'm gonna put the fear of God in you. Okay. And the pendulum was kind of over this way, and then really in, in more recent years, I would say the pendulum's kind of swung way over here, which is, oh, no, no, no let's not do that. that. That's mean God. Oh, God is loving and he's kind and, and you, can do, you, know, you can do whatever you want. He's gonna love you anyway. And so we need to be really careful because th the justice of God is true, but it's incomplete. The grace of God is true, but it's incomplete. When Jesus came, he was full of grace and truth. 
And so when we talk about this, we need to be very careful not to move into legalism where you have to do this or God won't love you. At the same time, we have to be very careful that we don't move into what's known as license, which is God loves you, do whatever you want. We need to understand his love and yet live in a very reverent fear of God. So how do, we, how do we balance that tension in a way that is gonna bring us to a healthy place with God? What is the fear of God? And I would say it very simply if you're taking notes, and again, this is incomplete, this isn't like the perfect formula to talk about it, but it's my attempt to help move the ball forward in understanding what it means to truly, with a reverent fear, not like, oh, God's gonna get me, but a holy, loving, reverent fear of our God, what does that look like? If you're taking notes, I would describe it like this. I would say that loving God plus respecting God equals fearing God. Let's, let's all say that together. Everybody, you all in Keller, Texas, help me out. Say it with me, that loving God plus respecting God equals fearing God. Somebody in Wichita, you guys, everybody again, say it aloud, loving God plus respecting God equals fearing God. Let, let me kind of unpack that for you. And what I'll do is I'll put it in human terms uh, because I think it'll be easy to understand. Um, I had the great honor of serving for five years under a hero in the faith for me, my pastor, Pastor Nick Harris. And I was a very young man. Um, pastor Nick had served in ministry for um, many, many years and was so wise and invested so much in me. And I, I literally had kind of a reverent fear um, for him in, in, in a healthy, very loving, honoring way. And so the first time that Amy and I actually got to meet with him, I was 22, Amy was maybe 19, we were engaged to be married, and I'd never met with him personally, and he called us into his office for a meeting. We were so excited, and, and we were freaked out. We wanted to bring him a gift to show our honor. Well, Pastor Nick taught this Bible study called Loaves and Fishes. And we were out one day and we saw a loaves and fishes shrinky dink for sale at the store. Now, many of you are confused wondering what a shrinky dink is. If you do not know, take a moment to praise God that you were born after the shrinky dink era in life. But those of you who know what a shrinky dink is, it was a, a little piece of metal that would come in shapes and you put little color stuff in it, put it in the oven and bake it and it would come out into like, almost like a window decoration that had a sucky thing so you could stick it onto a window or a hook so you could hang it from the curtain drape. And we made Pastor Nick a loaves and fishes shrinky dink. <laughs> we walked into his office and we were scared. And we're like, Pastor, we love you and we just wanted to honor you. You teach loaves and fishes. So here's a shrinky dink of the loaves and fishes. <laughs> and I never will forget, he looked so proud to be with us and so excited and then he looked at it and looked confused and dazed and put it down. And immediately, I felt like a shrinky dink at that, <laughs> that very moment. And, and I, he, we spent time together and he kind of just invested in me almost like a spiritual son. And, and here's what I need to say is that I, from the depths of my heart, I love Pastor Nick as a person, but I respect the office of the pastor. And so as a person, I love him because he's a man of God positioned over me, I respect him, and love plus respect equals a very reverent fear. Now, you take God, we have to multiply that times a gazillion, okay? Because God is not human as we are, and so we love him because of who he is, because he first loved us while we were sinners. 
he loved us. When we didn't deserve it, he loved us. Love's not, not just what he does, it's who he is. And because of that, we love him in return. It's our only reasonable response is to say, with all of my heart, God, I love you. But I respect and honor that you are a holy God. I love you as a heavenly father, but I respect you as a consuming fire. I love you as the God who is full of grace, but I respect that you are also a righteous judge. I love you and, and desire to have a relationship with you, but I respect that your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And you may ask me to do some things that are not comfortable to me, but because I love you and because I respect you, then I want to fear and honor you with obedience in everything that I do. So tragically in the world today, we talk about the fear of God. People are like, oh, you know, I don't want to serve a God. I got to be afraid of and you know, and, and, and fear God. Oh, but he's supposed to be loving. Yes, he is loving. To fear God is not a bad thing. It's a righteous thing. It's a beautiful thing filled with promises and blessings. In fact, when you look at the fear of God just in Proverbs, you see promise after promise after promise of how God says the fear of the Lord leads to blessings and goodness. In fact, let me just read to you three of them. Proverbs 9, 10 says the fear of the Lord is what? Say it aloud. Is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, where does wisdom start? It starts with by loving and respecting God. That's where wisdom Start, you wanna be wise and make a difference and make good decisions? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is what somebody in Wellington, Florida helped me out. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. It's a fountain, I, I imagine it is gushing out, turning a person from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord, it's life. It takes you out of that which destroys you and it brings you into the blessings that God has for you. Uh, the next verse, 22.4 says, true humility and what? And fear of the Lord leads to what? It leads to riches and honor and a long life. The fear of God is not something that we run from and oh my gosh, and this is bad. As we step into it, God, I love you and you've given me access to you because of Jesus, that I can enter boldly before your throne of grace and petition you with what I need. You created me to be in a loving relationship with you, therefore, God, I long to know you, but I respect and honor and awe that you are the God of the universe and that you gave me a right to a relationship which I did not deserve. The fear of the Lord, what is it? It's a good thing that leads to blessings. It's love plus respect equals the fear of God. And here's the thing, when I fear God, I will obey God. When I fear him, I will obey him. In fact, in my opinion, one of the greatest stories in all of scripture about the fear of God is found in Genesis chapter 22. This story to me to this day it's hard for me to get my human mind around. When God asked Abraham, whose greatest desire was to have a son, God give me a son, God give me a son, and for decade after decade after decade after decade, he waits on his son, and finally he has a son, Isaac. And Isaac's growing up, a young man, and then God asked him, Abraham, 
go and sacrifice the son that you love, your only son. And, and Abraham, because he loves God, because he respects God, he fears God. And because he fears God, he obeys God. And he takes his son up to a mountain, fastens his son to an altar, takes a knife, lifts it above the son that he loves with all of his heart, the object of his prayers and the greatest human desire that he has, and he prepares to obey God when an angel of the Lord mercifully stays the hand of Abraham. And the angel of the Lord says to him this, do not lay a hand on this boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you what? Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now I know you love God and you respect God. Now I know you fear God. In fact, if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. The greatest evidence of the fear of God is complete obedience to God. The greatest evidence of the fear of God is complete obedience to God. It's not partial obedience, I'll do kind of what you led me to do. It's not delayed obedience, I'll do it when I get around to it. It is quick, immediate, and cheerful. Yes, God, I trust you, therefore I will do what you have called me to do. The greatest evidence of the fear of God is complete obedience to God. I'll explain it this way. I, I read a quote from a pastor named Ray Pritchard and I, I adapted his quote and I, and I put it this way. This is how I would describe it. I would say it's th this, this is my version of his quote. The fear of the Lord is an ongoing attitude of my heart that moves me to choose over and over again to obey God when it would be easier to do something else. What is the fear of God? It is an ongoing, not just an immediate, instantaneous, just a snip of time. It's an ongoing attitude of my heart, the posture of my heart surrender to God that moves me to choose over and over again to obey God when it would be easier to do something else. I'm not talking about customized Christianity. I'll take this part of God and not this part of God. I'm talking about a fully submitted, wholly surrendered devotion to the Lord of life, Jesus. I want to honor you. It's not about my will, it's about your will. Because I love you, because I respect you, therefore I fear you with a reverent awe and fear. And because I fear the Lord, I want to obey the Lord. Tragically today, we see so much of the opposite. It's a customized version of Christianity. I'll serve you, God, but I'm still gonna sleep with my boyfriend or my girlfriend, right? You see it all the time. I, I believe in you, but I'm not gonna stop watching porn. It's just kind of how I deal with the issues and, and you know, that's what I'm gonna do. Okay, I'll follow you, but I'm never gonna tithe. I mean, this, this is my money and I don't care and I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not surrendering that area of my life. Okay, I'll, I'll say the whole prayer thing and I go to church every now and then, but 
I'm not gonna surrender every area of my life. I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous to ever ask me to do that. In other words, I believe in God, but I do not fear him. And this is a modern day tragedy that is passing off for Christianity when in reality is something very far from truly following Christ. Again, I don't want the pendulum to swing legalism, legalism. At the same time, I don't want to move it over to license, do whatever you want. I want to say because of his goodness, I want to serve him with my whole heart. Because of the grace of Jesus, my only reasonable response is to love him as a heavenly father, but to respect him as the Lord of creation. And therefore I fear him, and because I fear him, I want to obey him. So, all of this to the point of application, okay? In every message that I do, I wanna bring it to what my seminary professor called the so what. If you don't have a so what, then why are you even preaching? And this is the so what. This is where you take what God is showing you and hopefully bring it to some sort of spiritual application led by the Spirit of God, this is the so what. And the question I wanna ask you is this. In what area of your life are you not fearing and not obeying God? In what area of your life are you not fearing and not obeying God? And then the question of application is, and what are you gonna do about it? What are you gonna do about it, okay? If you say nothing, then let's just call it what it is. You might believe in God, but you do not fear him. But I believe with all my heart that God is gonna work in your heart and you want to love him. And deep down when you think about who he is, you do respect him. And because you love him and because you respect him, you will fear him and because you fear him, you will want to obey him. And I don't know what this is gonna look like. There's probably somebody here that's, that's you know, living with their girlfriend or boyfriend and God's gonna show you. It's time to move out or it's time to get married, but we're not gonna play games with this. It may be someone who's living with um, um, an unconfessed sin that continues to haunt you and you cannot seem to overcome it. And God's gonna show you. It's time to confess that to God and to confess it to people because we're not gonna allow that to continue to dwell within our lives. Uh, there may be someone here, you are dating a person that you know is not God's best for you. And you've rationalized it out and you've explained it away and you've said, well, I'm gonna be a good example to them and it's not that big of a deal and, and he's this or she's that. And you're gonna recognize, no, this is not God honoring and you're gonna break up with him today. Sorry, I just screwed up your relationship but I saved your life, okay? I'm dead serious. You, you're gonna recognize that this is not God's best and because you love him and because you respect him, you want to obey him and you're not gonna be in a relationship that is not God honoring and so you break up that dating relationship and you move on and God has something way better for you, 31 flavors of Baskin Robbins and you've been settling for strawberry, <laughs> vanilla and chocolate. <laughs> because the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Some of you, it's gonna be on the positive side. God has been leading you to do something and you haven't done it. And, and, and because you love him and because you respect him, you're gonna move on what he put on your heart. It may be that you're gonna start the, the business that he put on your heart, start writing the blog that he put on your heart, start a life group. Uh, you're gonna be, mentor somebody, you're gonna get involved somewhere in your church. You put some, you're, you're gonna give something away to somebody that God showed you weeks ago you should give and you, you just didn't do it. And you're going to, why? 
because you truly love him and because you respect him and because you love him and because you respect him, you really do fear him. And because you fear him, you want to obey him because the greatest evidence of the fear of God is complete obedience to God. What is the fear of God? It's an ongoing posture of our heart that moves us to continually over and over and over again, obey God and do the right thing, even when it would be easier to do something else. So in a world where customized Christianity is very normal, I want this part of God, but not that part of God. We say, no, I want all of who you are, God. I want your very best. And I thank you, God, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I thank you, God, that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, and it takes us away from the snares of this world. And God, I thank you that the fear of the Lord brings blessings that only you can bring. And God, because of who you are, I want to love you, and I will respect you. And because I love you and I respect you, God, in reverent awe, I truly do fear you. And because I fear you, God, I want to obey you. Not because I have to, but because I get to, because you are that good, and you are worthy of a totally committed life that I would give you all of who I am because you gave me all of who you are through your son, Jesus. That's a good word. And as we were watching that, you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about raising kids, and, and when a kid is one or two years old, you're trying to instill in them the understanding that mom and dad know best. When you tell them not to do something, you're not aiming for, now when I tell them this, I want them to recognize that there are blessings coming in their future if they choose to listen to me because ultimately I want what's best. When they're one or two years old, all you want them to know is you do this because mommy says so and daddy says so. Because you understand, they don't really have the ability to rationalize yet. So you want them to have a, a healthy, godly fear of mom and dad that they know I need to do what mom says, I need to do what dad says, or else something bad is probably gonna happen. And then when they start turning three, four, you begin to want them to understand the why and begin to understand that there's a reason behind what mom and dad are doing so that hopefully they will obey mom and dad because they actually believe and understand that we know what's best for them. And as we age into our adult life, that is the hope, is that we make good choices because we understand what the good choices are going to result in, what the fruit is that they're going to bring in our lives. And you know, in our relationship with the Lord, there is the concept of the fear of the Lord. And the goal should not be that all of the decisions we make are driven by that. Hopefully we can reach the point of spiritual maturity where, where you and I want to do what the Lord says because we've lived long enough, we've walked with him long enough to understand every time I've done things God's way, I have always been glad that I did. I have never regretted following the Lord. I've never regretted honoring his word with obedience. Hopefully we can all reach that point. But you know what gets in the way sometimes is our emotions or our flesh or whatever you want to call it, our lusts and our own desires. And I don't know how it is for you, but for me, those things tend to sort of rise up sometimes and they just overwhelm all the thoughts that I have about the consequences of my actions. You can get worked up, you can get angry, you can get bitter, you can get desperate, and suddenly you're all the way back down to that place of I'm not thinking clearly. 
And in those moments, the fear of the Lord becomes so vital because even in those moments where your thoughts are being overwhelmed by your sin nature and my sin nature, we remember that, wait a minute, he's God, he's God. And I think of times in my own marriage, and if you're married, then you can relate to this. There are, there are moments where you're just in a disagreement with your spouse and things are testy, and you know what the Lord wants you to do, and you're not sitting there thinking, well, you know, I want to make the wise and right choice in this moment so that there will be good productive results later on in my marriage. You know what happens in those moments is if you have a fear of the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, you need to make this right. And the reason you obey is because you say, man, I got a fear of God. I got a fear of God. I do not plan on crossing God. So I'm going to do what he says. And you're always glad that you do. And so I want to encourage you this morning to look at this issue of the fear of the Lord from the angle of remembering that he always desires what is best for you. He always does. And if you're overwhelmed by a desire or a lust or an emotion, a bitterness, a disappointment, an anger, whatever it might be, then don't wait for your mind to get to the place where you're thinking, I understand the benefits and I understand the direction I want my life to go. Don't wait till you're there. Choose to respond right now, just out of a right fear of the Lord saying, listen, I know what God wants me to do and I don't wanna cross God because I fear him. I believe that if he says there's consequences for choosing the wrong path, there really are consequences. And that fear is a healthy, healthy, healthy thing. It is a good thing. Let me pray for us. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, we pray that you would do a work in us as your church. Help us not to subscribe to a customized Christianity, God. Not to look at what our culture and our society says and begin to shape you into our image, but instead to to look at you and say, God, conform us. God, change us to be like you. That's the direction we want to move in. By the power of your spirit and your word, Father, I pray that you would help us to be a church of fully devoted followers of your son, Jesus. And just as each of us take a moment to reflect, if there's an area of your life that the Holy Spirit is shining a light on, I would just encourage you to maybe recognize that if you're not obeying God, it's ultimately because you don't fear God. And as the Lord shows you that area, I pray your response would be, yes, God, whatever you lead me to do, I'll do it. Before my emotions are there, before my thoughts are there, before my full understanding is there, God, I'll obey you because I love you and I respect you and that's enough. Maybe you're being partially obedient or or choosing delayed obedience but today you're saying I want to be completely obedient father I want to serve you with my whole life lead me to do what is right if that's you even if you're not sure how you're going to walk that out would you just take your first step in this coming time of prayer and worship even right now of just saying God I I don't want to walk that way anymore Lord God, out of fear of you, a righteous fear of you, I want to turn my back on that, turn towards you, and continue pressing into you. And just before we worship, the the last thing I felt led by the Lord to share is just that a fear of the Lord causes us to believe God. And for some of you, you, you might not be involved in any addictive or habitual or secret sin, but 
Maybe you're in the place where you just don't believe God. You don't really believe that he's going to take care of you. And what the fear of the Lord does is, is it says, stop and look around you. Look, look in the mirror. Look at the way you're made. Look at the world around you. Look at the size and the power and the glory of God. Do you really believe that God is lying to you when he says he'll never leave you nor forsake you? You think he's not strong enough to keep a promise? He's not big enough to keep a promise? For a moment, let's just put faith to the side and just say, hey, fear God enough to say, even when I find it hard to believe, there's no way I'm willing to call God a liar. I fear him enough to not do that. And so even if I don't understand or I can't connect all the dots out of a fear of the Lord, I choose to believe that what he says is true and he's gonna take care of me. Well, thanks for taking this time to listen and be in the word of God with us. If you've never given your life to Jesus, then you need to go to our website, mynewhope.ca right now. When you get there, you'll see a graphic on our homepage that says the gospel. Click on that and you'll be able to watch a short video where we share the best news you'll ever hear in your life. It's more important than whatever else you're doing right now. So stop whatever else you're doing, go to mynewhope.ca and click on the gospel. If God has blessed you through this message, we'd love to hear about it. Shoot us an email at info at mynewhope.ca and let us know how God has impacted your life through his word. If you're in the greater Vancouver area, I want to invite you personally to come and be a part of New Hope Church. We believe God is doing something real special as we grow together in our faith and love for Jesus, and we would love you to be a part of it. And finally, if you'd like to support the Bible teaching ministry of New Hope through financial giving, you can also do that through our website. Just go to mynewhope.ca slash give. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for being in the word of God with us. And always remember, God is with you.